Hi, this is Deborah, your podcast host for A Positive Influence. Today I'm joined by Kevin Palmieri from Massachusetts, who has come on an incredible journey to where he is now. Kevin hosts Next Level University, a global top 100 self-improvement podcast that impacts hundreds of thousands of people in countries all over the world. But it hasn't always been this way for him. Kevin, welcome. Deborah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat and see where we go with our conversation today. Definitely. Well, we're going to start our chat working from the bottom upwards. So let's begin with your statement. Some people find rock bottom. I found out that rock bottom had a basement. Can you take us back to that basement, Kevin, from where it all began? Yeah, it's it's very interesting for me, Deborah, because when for most of my life, so just early life for me, I was raised by my mom and my grandmother, didn't know my dad, didn't meet my dad until I was 27. That was like part of my childhood. But other than that, everything else was fairly normal. So I end up not going to college and I work a bunch of random jobs because I just didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So that's just a little context of the beginning. Okay. So if, if you saw me when I was 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, you would assume I was a very successful, and that's in quotations for those listening, <laughs> human being. When I was 25, I had a high paying job. I had a sports car. My girlfriend was a model. I had just won a bodybuilding show. So I was in the best shape of my life. I quite literally had quote unquote it all, but I was very insecure. I was not confident, I was not happy, I was not fulfilled, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, I just felt very stuck. It's probably the best way to explain it. Okay, even so, though even though you had everything, all these material things. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I, at the end of the day, I think I believed having all external things would make my internal world better. Right. And it just, it didn't really, it didn't really do anything for me. So. If I think about it, when I was 25, I had all these amazing things. And one day my girlfriend came to me and she said, hey, I want to move across the country from New Hampshire, where we lived, to California. And I gave her every reason in the world why she shouldn't do it, right? Gas prices are too high, real estate market's not good, all of these things. And she comes back a couple days later and she ends up saying, Kev, I'm going to move across the country and I'm going to chase my dreams. I need to do this for me. I'm leaving you behind. So she ends up leaving me behind. And for me, Deborah, that was my initial rock bottom. Here I am sitting at home. My bills just doubled. The person I love just left me. I'm questioning who could possibly love this version of Kevin. What's wrong with me? What do I do with all this? Now, here's the problem. I assumed if I went and made a lot more money, I would have a lot less problems. So I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus more on money. So the next year starts, I get a promotion at my company. And just so people know, I was in a, an industry called weatherization. So we would go into buildings and we would make them more energy efficient. That was my, my job in a nutshell. Okay. Since we worked on state-owned buildings, government-owned buildings, I got anywhere from $60 to $120 an hour, depending on where we were working and what we were doing. So I was making really good money. So... I get a promotion to a foreman, which means I'm running these jobs now. I'm overseeing people. And that was the busiest year we had ever had as a company. So I spent the next 10 months on the road because we were working all over the place. A lot of our contracts were out of state. So I'm right. living in hotels. I'm working different shifts. I'm just, 
it's a lot. There's a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. But I'm making a boatload of money, and that's exactly what I wanted. So I'm I'm all for it. Okay. So we end up getting to the end of that year. I have my final pay stub in hand, and I said, "Did I do it? Did I make a hundred thousand dollars like I wanted to? That was my goal, and I did." But I had another one of those interesting moments where I realized I'm searching for external things to bring me internal happiness, fulfillment, joy, love. I realized that for most of my life, I had lived unconsciously, especially that year. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So I started a podcast called The Hyperconscious Podcast. That's where all this kind of started for me. Okay. I fell in love with podcasting. Yes. As I fall out of love with this job because I don't want to do it anymore. I already made the money and I don't want to do it again. But I don't know what to do, right? I have bills to pay. I have this job. So I got to the point where I was very sad. I was getting depressed because I didn't want to do this job anymore. I wanted to podcast. I'm spending all this time on the road. I can't hold down a relationship. I'm sleeping on weird hours. I'm staying up for days on end. And eventually it got to the point where I was so miserable. I was not listening to the whispers. And eventually the whispers became a scream. And I woke up in a hotel room in New Jersey, which is like six hours from where I live. My alarm clock went off. I sat up. I slid to the edge of the bed. I was lacing up my work boots. And the best way to explain it, Deborah, is that morning it was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time. And every single one is on a different station. One is saying you're stuck here forever. You know, not only do people like you not get opportunities like this, people like you do not leave opportunities like this on the table. You got to stay here. You can't leave. If you do leave, what would your friends say? You make more money than most of your friends. They look up to you. If you do leave, what would your family say? Your family is very proud of you. That feels really good. And if you do leave, what are you going to do with your life? Are we gonna do, we're not going to do this podcast thing. This isn't going to work. Like, What are we going to do here? And that was my rock bottom basement moment. In that moment, I felt that if I was to take my life, I would take my problems with me. And here I am five, six hours away from anybody who cares about me anybody who knows what I'm going through. So I tried to be courageous. I reached out to one of my friends who is now my business partner and the CEO of our company. And I explained to him what I was feeling. And he said something in his wisdom, Kev, over the last couple of years, your awareness has shifted a ton, but your environments have remained the same. I think it's time for you to change your environment. So I ended up leaving my job three or four months later and then beginning the journey of a very broke entrepreneur trying to, to figure all this out. So the reason I think that's important is just because I think for many humans, we assume when you see somebody, they've been where they are forever. And we see ourselves and we think we're gonna be where we are forever. So I just think the context and the contrast is important just to understand that we're, on our, we're all on our own mission and it, it starts at a different place for all of us. We're on a journey, aren't we? And, we are. Um, there seems to be different different places along that journey. And I'm really glad you're here, Kevin, and have come on such a wonderful way uh, from, from such a, a crazy rock bottom place and that you're doing it for yourself, not anybody else. I'm, I'm a really motivated person, but lately I've been finding that I seem to be oscillating between depression and euphoria one day to the next, as I'm basically starting again at 60. I mean, everything, job, home, relationship, but without the advantage of an impetuous nature of a 21-year-old. So what, what advice would you give to someone like me in a similar situation to enable them to move forward like you have? Yeah, it's, it's hard because a lot of people ask me that, like, 
what happened to the depression? Yeah. What happened to the anxiety? It, interesting. My anxiety got worse when I left my job because I was living in, I was living way outside of my comfort zone. So my anxiety actually got worse. My depression kind of went away. And here's why I believe I actually was focused on fulfillment. I wasn't focused on happiness and fun and joy anymore. I was focused on being fulfilled, doing a mission, being part of something bigger than myself, having purpose, right? Having purpose for the first time in my life. That really, really helped me. So that's what I always say is I think we have to search for purpose instead of what seems like a band-aid in the moment. One of the one of my thoughts, if you go in, you you take part in some sort of charitable activity, right? Say you're you're giving meals out and it's cold outside. It probably kind of sucks, right? It's cold, you're freezing, you're like, oh my goodness, I can't wait for this to be done. But when it's done, you're always fulfilled because you did it. Because Absolutely. you're actually taking part in yeah. something greater than yourself, you some sort of purpose. Yes, you feel you've got some a sort sense, of mission. sense of purpose. So, yeah. yeah, I think for the, the advice I would give is, number one, we have to we have to start asking ourselves questions about ourselves so we can understand ourselves at a deeper level. So I think a lot of us assume that we feel the way we feel because of something that's happening right now, when in reality, a lot of us are feeling the way we feel today based on a past trauma, a past trigger, something that happened to us in our past. So I think we have to reflect. I think we have to sit down and say, look, what has this journey actually been like? Do I have any idea how much my past is actually affecting me today? I'm a big proponent of therapy, counseling, whatever that is for you if you're out there. That was very helpful for me in the beginning. So I always throw that out there. But I really do believe you have to start working in that inner stuff. The external stuff isn't going to make it better, right? It's just, it's the inner stuff that you got to start reflecting on and working on. And deciding what fulfillment you want from life. I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean I've done a lot. I'm 60 and I have done a lot. I've had a lot. I've done a lot. And it's funny you mentioned charities because I'd been looking at doing something with my skills, but for a charity so that it was more worthwhile. Uh, and this is something I've been exploring as well. But it's it's so difficult. And I think the past does come back at you all the time. Um, yeah, so just backtracking a little bit then. So it's all about uh, fulfillment, really, in, in life and, and getting into your head as to what you want from life, not necessarily monetary. I think fulfillment is a very, it's a very hard thing to capture because it's very hard to recognize. If we live, we live in a world now where a lot of, a lot of us are formulating our goals off of other people's successes, but we don't know if they're actually fulfilled with their successes, right? That's a very interesting thing to understand. Okay. Yeah. So you look at someone, you think, oh, look, they're really successful. Therefore they must be happy. They might be. See, this is the interesting thing. They might be happy. But ha I think happiness and fulfillment are two different things. If I, right. if, if this interview goes well and Deborah says, Kev, you're awesome. I love you. I'm going to feel very happy, right? I'm going to have a dopamine rush. and I'm going to say, wow, I got a result that I wanted. Regardless of how this goes, I am going to be fulfilled after because I'm in the process of doing what I should be doing. I'm in the process of doing the mission. I'm in the process of doing my purpose. I think there, there are a lot of people who have momentary bouts of happiness, right? If I buy a really nice car, I will be happier in that moment. I believe that. But that car is not going to fulfill me. That is not something that's going to last for a long period of time. So 
that's that's my what I try to distinguish between the two is I think happiness is momentary and fleeting and I think fulfillment is something that you can live on forever because it it makes you want to keep going and those are just two different lives from what I've experienced absolutely how would you start an action plan so to speak so somebody like me sat here thinking right I'm applying for jobs I can't afford a house to buy at the moment relationships are hopeless what's what's the the focus point what's what's the best place to start one's focus on probably micro progress just from the perspective of I think a lot of us think I'm here and I want to get back to where I was before, or I'm here and I want to get to this ultimate goal, when in reality, the first step in a mile is just one step. So I would say for most of us, it's probably micro progress where we sit down and say, what is something small I can accomplish that will help me build self-trust? Oh, I like that. Okay, yes. Often I, I think I sit down and think, oh, that's where I want to be right up here. And that's what I want to achieve. And I leap a chasm between from today and what's probably going to happen in a few months time. Yeah. That's really wonderful advice. I like that. That should hope, hopefully help a lot of the listeners actually <laughs> out there as well. I'm, I'm sure I'm not unique in this respect. No, everybody. I mean, <laughs> even if when even when you're in a rut, like when I'm in a rut, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, it's because I want to, you know, I want to make a million dollars this year. Like, that doesn't seem realistic. That's not the, it shouldn't be the focus. The focus is what can I do today? Not yes. what do I want to do eventually, right? What can you do today? Uh, Deborah? I think we have been convinced to set massive goals when in reality, most of us should set goals based on our level of belief. I really believe that now more than ever. I always tell people, if you're a podcaster, I do not want you to set the goals that I have. It's not good for you. It's probably not going to be constructive. <laughs> and it's probably not going to lead to fulfillment. It's probably going to lead to you being miserable for as long as you podcast because you don't want to do it in the way we do. Your goals, I believe, should be connected to your level of belief in the goals. If you do not believe the goals you are setting are possible, it's going to set you into this conundrum where you're never going to get any results and you're going to think you suck. And that's not, it's just not true. Oh, Kevin, I, I didn't even consider I could be anywhere near your goals on the podcast. <laughs> that really hadn't entered the frame. That's very sweet. I like that. No, no, I'm doing this because I want to make a difference to people listening to this, a positive influence. And it all began when I was reading a terrible news article about that an infamous celebrity who's had such an appalling impact on, especially on young boys... And I just thought, this is terrible that they listen to this rubbish and they believe it and they take it in. And I thought, I want to do the same and have that same effect and influence, but a positive influence. And that's why this all came about. And then I wanted to find people, everyday people that had made a big difference to others' lives, which is where you come in, Kevin, to talk to other people and be able to share with my listeners how you've helped uh, others in their, in their lives. We've all got choices in life. And interestingly, you made that choice way back not to go to California. And that served you very well. Do you think our past choices are always with us? Or, um, I mean, in my case, I, I, I've made some bad choices in the past, especially in regards to relationships, which we'll come on to later. But I appear to have a very slow learning curve in that respect. Um, 
So are those choices of my past always going to influence the future? Are our choices uh, that, that we've made historically always going to influence our future choices, do you think? I would say, yeah. I, I think they should in a way. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean they should influence them negatively. It doesn't mean your past should influence your your present and future negatively. It means that there is an opportunity to at least learn and then try to shift from that. So if think of it this way. If I did go to California with my girlfriend, my, my then girlfriend, mm -hmm. would I ever have started the podcast? No, that never would have happened. Would I be doing something completely different? Yeah. But one of the lessons I learned, this was very important for me. The fact that my girlfriend left me and said, look, I'm going, I'm going to go do my thing. That made me say, you know what? I'm at least 50% of the problem when it comes to my relationships. All of my relationships have failed and I'm the only common denominator. I must have something to do with the lack of success here. That's something I still bring with me to this day. Trying to be a better husband to my wife and trying to be, you know, a better uh, partner to Alan, my business partner. That all stems from me understanding at one time in my life, I wasn't very good at what I'm doing. I'm always thinking of that, not from a negative cinder block holding me back thing, but from a, a positive, there is a lot I can learn from this. So yeah, I think it's very, very important that we take the quote unquote failures from our past and bring them to the present, but not from a place of, I'm going to feel bad about myself because of this, from a place of, I can do much better because I know this now. That's what I would say. I think that's, uh, that's great. Now we're going to move on to uh, self-improvement. Uh, how we can move forward in that respect. You mentioned something about holistic self-improvement on one of your podcasts, which mm. sounds a bit sort of feeble to me. What are the bones and structures of this? <laughs> For me, so when I say holistic, I just mean well-rounded. So <laughs> life, love, health, and wealth, right? There's, there's a lot of places you can go to learn how to make more money. But that money advice isn't necessarily going to help you if you have a money block that's subconscious and something that somebody is not speaking to. So the ability to improve not only your physical body, but your mental health, your uh, spiritual health, your ego, your self-belief, your self-worth, like being able to impact your relationship, being able to impact your bank account, your wallet, your finances. That's what we, that's our intention when we talk about holistic. I want you to be the, the most impactful human being you can be in all regards. I don't want you to have one giant strength that creates many other weaknesses. I don't think that's a sustainable way to, to live. So those are really the bones for us. Health, wealth, life, and love. I'd like to embrace all of those, please. Of course, right? <laughs> I think we all do. I think we all do. We just, sometimes it's hard to know where to go. Where do you go to find all that? And where do you start as well? You start with you. I think we've come back round again to where you're saying it's all about understanding yourself and what your fulfillment is that you're looking for and those actions that we need to take. Let's go on to relationships. I've had three terrible relationships, really. I seem to attract the wrong man and have a very giving nature and always put others before myself and find it quite hard to put myself first. And I'm, mm. I'm sure there are lots of other women out there like myself who are confident, uh, successful business people, and yet end up in a relationship where their self-worth is, is minimal and the way they're spoken to is disrespectful. 
and yet they still keep doing it as I have. Have you some pointers there, Kevin? You said the you said the words I would hone in on self worth. So I think for for a lot of us, I think we believe self belief and self worth are the same things. And this is kind of my thought behind it. This self belief is I believe I can create a castle. I can build a castle. I see the bricks. I know how to do it. I can yeah. build myself a castle. Self-worth is I don't believe I deserve the castle. I know I can build it, but I don't think I deserve it. Now, there's other there's a lot of intricacies to this where if you have overly high self-worth, you think you deserve the castle by default. You shouldn't even have to lay a brick down. That thing should just be there and you should be able to walk in and that should be your new home. That's high self-worth. <laughs> there are definitely some people like that around, yes. Of, of course. <laughs> and again, we're all going through our own journeys trying to figure it out, so nothing but empathy for that. Now, okay. here's the interesting thing. Usually, from what I've seen and what I've coached on and what I've experienced, including my own life, something happens when we're young, trauma, a trigger, whatever it may be, and that affects our self-worth. So for me, not growing up with a dad, my dad left. I internalize that as I am not good enough because I am the reason my father left. Low self-worth starts there. When that happens, this is the interesting thing. We attract people into our lives. But I think that the self-worth is usually the filter that filters out the wrong people. Because you say, ah, you know what? I think I deserve better than this. Now, here's what happens. We don't filter out the people that we should. We get treated negatively. That further proves to us that we have low self-worth. And that becomes the cycle. We attract those people in. We never filter them out. We attract those people in. We never filter them out. And Deborah, I think that's exactly what you're speaking to. It's not that you're attracting negative people. It's that you're not capable yet of filtering them out. We all attract positive and negative. But for somebody who has, a, I would say, an accurate level of self-worth, they see the red flags and they say, that's not even an option. I deserve better. I deserve better. And that's just a place of, of self-worth. So I think for a lot of us, that's it's just like you got to do the exploration of yourself and you got to go back into the past and say, where did that come from? Where's the first time I didn't feel good enough? Where's the first time I didn't feel worthy? And then we have to start working on that. And then I think the other part of it is you have to start, you have to start setting small promises to yourself and then keeping them. Not necessarily in the physical world, in the internal emotional world. So one of the things that helped me a lot with self-worth is when I met my dad. I met my dad when I was 27. That helped me a lot because that healed a lot of that inner stuff for me. Not the external stuff. The, the internal stuff is where the self-worth stuff is hidden. Kevin, that's, that's just amazing. It's interesting because the, the self-worth seems to be in a sort of a separate compartment to business success. Yeah. Because I've been successful in businesses. I'm confident in a lot of other areas. And, the, and I'm t not talking just about myself. There are other people like this who have done other successful things and yet still come back to this, this failure because there's this self-worth that needs to be identified from the past. And you feel this is this definitely is an association in the past that is causing this. And that's really, yeah. that is really interesting and something that needs to be explored. But that um, will help several people uh, understand where to start in, mm. in that respect. So let's move on now to our perception of other people. I've always thought people who are successful are older than me. I've always had that funny little perception, actually. Mm. And um, and strangely enough, when I've often Googled someone, I thought, oh, I really 
respect that person, admire that person, and, and I've looked, and, and they're actually younger than me. And I'd like, like to talk with you about our perception of others. Yeah, I would say uh, th this has been very interesting for me to, to understand and just continue to learn about. When somebody has a result and we don't understand how they achieve the result, we create a conclusion. That conclusion is based on our own limiting beliefs or our own empowering beliefs, our own traumas or our own pleasures, our own beliefs at the end of the day, our own mindset. And that conclusion becomes what we think about that person. So it's almost like if this person is younger than me, there's no way they could be successful. Because in our mind, there's no possible, there's no way somebody younger than me could be more successful, right? And that becomes the perception. Yes. The interesting thing is a lot of us, we see things and that becomes the mirror for us. So if you've ever seen somebody successful and you said to yourself, oh, it must be nice. Oh, they must have grown up in a rich family. Oh, they're probably snobby or they're probably this. They probably don't treat people well. That is your perception of success. That is not your perception of that person necessarily, unless you know them personally. But then you have to ask yourself, okay, how does my perception of this thing play into my own life? If you are villainizing success, the odds of you becoming successful are probably not very high. If you are villainizing somebody who spends a lot of time practicing fitness, your perception of them is, ah, oh, they're selfish. They're always in the gym. They're always learning. They're always on business calls, whatever it is, what are the odds that you do the same thing that they're going to do? So I just think understanding that our perception of the way other people are living their lives is definitely impacting the way that we live ours. And when you're aware of that, you can start to ask yourself, okay, why do I have that perception? Why have I drawn that conclusion? And is that an empowering conclusion? Is that disempowering? Where does that come from? And then how do I, how do I try to form a more accurate conclusion? Yes, it's when we often look at people who have, say, a lovely fast car. I think, oh, you know, they must have a fabulous house to go with that and a yacht and something else. <laughs> when in fact, they've probably put all their money into a car, which is very irresponsible, instead of putting all the money into a house. And yeah. um, this is uh, this is something that I think a lot of us look at others and perceive. Uh, what we, we can only perceive what we see and then we... Uh, we 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 make the rest up. Uh, so uh, it is it is very interesting when we we, we look at others and, and we it's only when we know the facts that yes. our true true perception of others uh, comes to the fore. But we very rarely know the facts. That's the hard part, right? If I pull yeah. up in a two hundred thousand dollar car, you're going to assume you're probably going to assume <laughs> the conclusion you will draw your perception is that I know way more than I do. It's just because. I have a result that maybe you don't believe you can get yet. And that's the that's the interesting thing. That's part of the awareness of, okay, is that true? Or has this person just been doing it for longer? Or, you know, that that's why it's so hard because we all draw conclusions. We all do. You drive by a restaurant and it is in a rough part of town and it is a hole in the wall and the sign doesn't light up and it's a little sketchy. You're probably going to think, ah, you know what? The food probably isn't very good there. That's perception. You're drawing a conclusion. It could be, you know, the best food in the world, but that's a conclusion. That's, ah. a, that's just a human thing. But Kevin, Kevin. Mm. Yes. If that restaurant is full, you go in. <laughs> you go in. 
yeah, you even though even though it looks so ropey and bad it's yeah. uh, no i've i've seen that before actually i love that uh, analogy it's brilliant you you do you can walk past something really glitzy and it's absolutely empty and and right. you think oh there's nobody in there i don't think i'll go in that one yeah. um but uh, it is again uh, about perception mm. so let's talk about let's talk about money so I've got to a point in my life where I seem to have given rather a lot of it away, but um, not sadly to good causes. And I'm trying to utilise what I have and think outside the box and be creative with it. Mm. And like yourself, you have started right from scratch with your podcast. How did you start to, to monetize it? <laughs> I gave stuff away for free. That, that's how we, in the very beginning, I coached people for free. I reached out to people who I knew were listening to the podcast. Right. I said, hey, uh, our show is all about awareness and habits and all this stuff. I've never coached before. I want to try it. What do you think of me coaching you for a couple of months for free? And the first person I messaged said yes. And I was like, all right, cool. So, And then I ended up getting four other clients for free. So I think at one point I had five clients for free. At the end of the two months, I said, hey, I can't do this for free anymore. What do you think of $50 a call? And they all said yes. And I was like, what? Oh, I can't believe this is happening. So I went from making $0 to whatever it was, $200, $250 a week. And that was the beginning for me of, oh, interesting. We add value on the podcast, but there are people out there that are willing to pay for more value. And that was kind of how we, we built our business. But see, this is the interesting thing. I had to overcome so much internal stuff around like that low self-worth. Who am I to charge somebody to to coach them. Like, who am I to take somebody's money to help them? I had to get through that in the beginning. And that was a really hard thing for me because I didn't feel worthy. I felt like an imposter. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. That, all that inner work, right? Like we've, you know, we're a multi six-figure business now and all that happy jazz. That's the external result. The internal stuff that had to come with that was figuring out how do I get over the money block that makes me feel like I don't deserve the money that I'm getting? That was one of the hardest parts, believe it or not. But, but surely um, you saw your results, though, because you were helping people. Yes. Then that, that surely started to help build your self-worth. And you saw, well, actually, what I'm doing is having a positive influence on all these people. So did that sort of help build your self-worth that way? Less than you'd think. Oh. And the, the only reason I say that is because I... It's weird because the low self-worth almost convinced me that I wasn't helping people. It's almost like, I don't know why this person even wants to book another call. Like, I don't feel like we did anything. I don't feel like I helped them, right? That's really the mindset that I had. But I think what that helped me do is it helped me raise my own standards. It helped me raise my standards to, if I feel like this is going to be a successful call, these are the things that must happen. And then I tried to coach that way. And what point did it change then? Honestly, some days I don't know if it has. Oh, I still, Kevin. Yeah, no, no. I'm I'm being <laughs> honest. I I still have days, you know. I still have days where I'll be like, ah, I don't know. Did that? Was there any value in that call? Was that good? Is that person going to want to come back? I still have those days. That's why I think it's important to make sure that you're doing the small things. Those small things never stop. You know, the reason I can show up on this podcast today the way I do is because I've showed up to podcasts where I said, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I do not know if I can do this. I don't know if I belong here. I feel like an imposter. But I tried to show up and add value anyway, and usually it goes better than I expect. That is self-trust. That helps me 
build more self-belief, understand that I am worthy of this time we have together. I just think it's a never-ending cycle, Deborah. And <laughs> That's I, how yeah, I'm I feeling. My self-worth is very minuscule at the moment with regards <laughs> to doing the podcasting. It's quite hard. You, you sort of write yourself some notes and um, some questions you want to ask, and then you it's much nicer doing it more like a chat than an interview it becomes more real Uh, but I'm not very good at it yet and um, still working on it but the most important thing is to find people who are making a difference so that we can share that with everybody else listening and that's what this is all about it's not about my eloquence at this stage That'll come. That'll come. <laughs> I think you're wonderful. Oh, bless you. I think you're wonderful. <laughs> I, I, again, for the listeners, you and I met before. We did a pre-call. Yeah. I knew I wanted to do the call or the podcast when I talked to you. I don't care about anything else. Like, I don't care how many listeners you have. I don't care how good you are. <laughs> I think you're great. I think you're doing a, a good thing in the world. And I think that's a that's an important piece of self-worth, too, is I'm not here for the podcast. I'm here for you. Oh, you Kevin. know. And I think that hopefully that'll help. You're a sweetheart. I appreciate it. And the last thing, what would you like to finish off with? What would you, what means a lot to you? Uh, there's a simple question I like to ask because I think this is where a lot of us get, get stuck. Are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? A lot of us are living in relationships that are just based in nostalgia. We used to hang out. We used to party together. We used to date. We used to go to school, whatever. But just because you used to do something does not mean that person is what's best for your future. So I just like to pose that question and then, you know, kind of let that settle and see what you want to do with that as a human being. Because I think a lot of us have convinced ourselves that we're afraid to lose love. If we move on from certain relationships, we're going to lose love. When in reality, I don't know if we're actually in those relationships for love. I think we're in those relationships because we feel that we're supposed to be or we feel like we have to be. And I just think that's a, a very important sticking point for many of us if you're surrounding yourself with negative people you most likely aren't going to get positive outcomes unfortunately so for a lot of us that's that's one of the best places to start kevin do you think true love exists yeah i think true love exists i think the love that you can attract and sustain is only as mature as you are as a human being so it's interesting i'm capable of receiving more love as i become a more evolved human being, but I'm also capable of giving more love. So I would say the love can be truer and truer as you grow more and more. I would say that, yes. Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. That's a very lovely place to finish, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So it has been a complete privilege to have you here and a delight to chat with you today. And I hope my listeners have really enjoyed, I know my listeners will have really enjoyed uh, hearing from you today. So this is Deborah signing off and there'll be more interviews to follow. Take care and bye for now.